Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. I'm going to talk about the wise market. The market that's wiser than you and me and the President and Congress. A market that makes decision based on the vote typically of dollars. Like if we all buy margarine and don't buy butter, the market quits making as much butter and makes more margarine. Maybe at first the market reduces the cost of butter to entice you by me. Maybe the advertisers for butter start telling you how good it is for you margin people make advertisements about how wonderful their product is and how cheap it is whatever but eventually the market sets the amount of butter that's offered on the shelves and the amount of um, margarine that's there and the different kinds of margarine and what it's made out of and that's all done by us voting with our dollars the stock market the price of the stock that is set by what people think its value is. Some buy and they say, wow, it's worth more than that, and I'm buying because I think it's going up. People that sell that think that uh, it's going down in price or they need the money or whatever. So there's an upward and a downward pressure continually in the stock market and you find an equilibrium price where you know you have to actually find a price where there's as many buyers or sellers that's pretty amazing to think about it and on one day there can be more buyers and sellers but on average for every time someone makes a purchase everyone sells and the market sets the price well, there's other ways where we can actually use the market to determine the best way to proceed. Energy. I've been here before, but hopefully I say this better this time. We can have a new, new Green Deal or whatever we want to call the package build back better, whatever, where we say electric cars are what we should be doing, and solar panels and windmills. And that will get us closer to uh, a green economy and lower CO2. Well, look at the choices that are there. Electric car. Maybe we want a car with a fuel cell. Maybe that's better. Hmm, maybe we want a car powered by hydrogen. Maybe we want magnesium batteries. Maybe we want a super light car. Maybe it would cost twice as much, but be half as cheap to run. Maybe we want hybrids like I have. Um, mine runs in the summertime. I get 50 miles on a charge, and then it goes over to gas. And that my hybrid when it's running on gas isn't as efficient as most. I think it's in the order of 45 miles per gallon, maybe 50, but other cars are up to 100. But I get the first 50 miles free. 
Now who's going to determine what, which one of those is better? The marketplace does. What you go and buy. Uh, the market has decided that what I think makes a lot of sense, which is the car I bought at Honda Clarity, uh, doesn't make sense at all, and they didn't buy them. People didn't buy them. I think it's an incredible concept. Because 50 miles takes care of, you know, 90% of my driving. And then when I go on a trip, I'm willing to settle for, you know, 45, 50 miles per gallon. So, the market decided. Well, the way the Democratic uh, Build Back Better is Congress decides what we need. Congress decides we need to enhance the grid, which we, we probably do. Congress decides um, we should subsidize electric cars. Maybe not hydrogen cars. But how do we know we're making the right decision when we write that? And I'm pretty sure we're not. Because I suspect the right answer has not been invented yet. And I think when we promote any particular technology and we write the bill that way, um, we're screwing up big time. The market is really, really smart. It is wise, far beyond any individual, far beyond you, me, Congress, the President, the Democrats, the Republicans. So the question is, how do you tap into the wisdom of the market? Well, you have to think very carefully about a bill that will encourage What do we want to encourage? We want to encourage the reduction of CO2. How do we do it? I don't think that's our business. I don't think we are capable of answering that question. Because the answer to that question may not have been created yet. And if you write a bill that favors one technology over another, windmills, solar panels, and you're going to not like this, but even favors the reduction of, of um, oil drilling. You don't know that. In fact, I think there's a good argument to be made at the moment that our pressure, social, political, to reduce oil production, like the Keystone Pipeline, has set up Putin, or he's where he got this year 50% more profits than he did last year with the same production. Putin is making out like a bandit with this war. And we're too dependent on oil. Actually, that's the wrong way to say it. We're too dependent on Russia's oil. And not us in particular, but Germany for, is, the, is the number one country. They became dependent on an unfriendly nation. And we're seeing the consequence of that. We are making Putin rich right now as the oil price goes up. Who profits? The Saudis? Yep. They have no incentive to lower the increase the production of oil and lower the price. 
even the the frackers and the oil company in the U.S. has no incentive. Just keep producing the same amount. You know what's happened to the frackers when they lowered the cost of natural gas and oil with fracking, which again I would say we need to have market, we need to have legislation that makes, you know, polluting by fracking uh, illegal and has criminal charges and all that. But we don't, we don't uh, say no fracking or you know fracking's good or bad. We set up laws that govern how it's done. Because fracking has is the only thing that's keeping America in a halfway decent posture with regard to Russia. So how do you get the American uh, frackers and the American industry to increase oil production and help Germany get oil and turn down the Russia's profits. We want them to protect us on the top side and they protect us on the bottom side or we protect them on the bottom side. For instance, when prices get up, we tell them, turn on the spigots, turn on the faucet, get more oil. They can do that. Unfortunately, it takes about six months. So, you know, we should have had said this six months ago. We tell them to turn on the spigot. And if, you, if you're more successful than you plan to be, and you're each acting individually, not as, you know, as a monopoly, and the price crashes to $50, you can sell it to us and we'll put it in the oil, our oil reservoir, and we'll pay you $65. uh, per barrel and when it gets up to 100 we'll take oil out of the barrels and we'll ask you to turn this pick it up again so we can control the price between 65 and 85 whatever we decide we want to control it as and what's fair there's two sides of fair here the people that are doing the work and trying to stay in business and make the oil and then there's the side that wants to be protected against high gasoline prices. And you can have free market, and this is kind of what we get right here. It's not really free market anyway, because the Saudis and Russian uh, consort to keep the price up. So it's not a free market, so get rid of that. But we can still use the market and then have kind of like an insurance policy for the frackers. We ask them to turn up the oil production for America. They'll do it. If we agree that if they're over successful and they push the price too low, we don't let them go out of business, get laid off, and go find another profession. Because that's exactly what's happened to the frackers. So they're using a regulation to help the market, but still using the market um, as your final uh, judge of what you do and your market, you're, you're working with the market. Now here's another way that even better, like on the CO2. We shouldn't choose the technology that reduces CO2. What we should do is send a very clear message to the market. We do not want more CO2 in the air. We're gonna 
charge you $300 a ton for every, you know, CO2. Maybe that's too much to start off with. You don't want to, like, be very disruptive and crash markets and, you know, distort, you know. Maybe we start out, here's the schedule. We're going to start out $100 um, a ton, and we're going to increase it $100 a ton for the next 10 years. Give that to industry. They know what it is. They know what the game is. They will decide the best way to deal with that. And the net effect is um, you'll reduce the CO2 going to the air because that's that's where the money moves. You're going with the market and you're going with the money. Will we pick hydrogen cars, electric cars, something that hasn't been invented yet? Who knows? But we've, we've given the market a clear signal of what we want, what we want the market to do. And then we're turning it loose to American entrepreneurs and capitalism. And it's, capitalism's not e- evil, it's just a, it's a tool. And we have to learn to send signals and then trust the market to fix things. And you can, you know, you can have safety valves in there that say, you know, there's already safety valves. You can't pollute the water or air or um, the ground in whatever your method is to reduce CO2. You've got to be profitable. You, you don't need to be subsidized. Let the market fund this ac- activity. And the market will do it. The market is much wiser than any of us. Now, does a glory and the, te- the politician has to say, well, we're going to put this fee on carbon, which will be translated to a tax, and a tax is bad. Um, but that, I think, is where, you know, leadership and being brave and, you know, the president publishing this podcast, of course, so that everybody understands. <laughs> anyway, you get it. So I would love to see us learning to use the market because our market slash capitalism is so damn wise and efficient if we're just smart enough to send a very clear and simple message we do not want more CO2 going into the air we want that to cut down we're going to charge you for doing that And we want you to make adjustments to make sure that doesn't happen. Even the oil companies could understand that. They could look at that and say, wow, in five years, we're not going to be profitable if we keep doing what we're doing. That gives them five years to make new technology, to change their business model, uh, to make adjustments. It's clear, it's simple, and it allows our whole wonderful capitalist system to attack the problem in the most efficient and most wise way possible. So that's probably a different view about most of you have about capitalism. It's a different view about how to accomplish things. And it comes from a belief, and I am I am a really good engineer. I you know, I'm hurting my arm here. I'm patting myself so hard on the back. But I understand technology 
I don't think I'm quite in an elite level, but I'm at a very good level of understanding technology and how industries and stuff fit together. I understand I can put the pieces, and yet I recognize that I am nowhere close to being smart enough to know how to reduce global warming the most efficient and fastest and cheapest and quickest way. But I know somebody that is. The market. All you have to do is send them a message that's clear and concise and to the point, and then stand back and let the marketplace and capitalism and inventors, entrepreneurs, and companies work together to make this happen. And that is the only way it's going to happen. The nonsense they're doing right now is so. So messed up. I don't even know where to start.、Uh, and there's a whole chapter here we could do on nuclear power as a sub subtitle under this, but、um, that's bigger than I'm sure. You know, you've been listening here for 17 minutes. I'm sure you're, you know, ready to go get a glass of wine and、uh, or go find another podcast. Anyway, this is the ancient Texan. Hoping you、uh, at least think about what I say, said, saying. Hope you have a good one. Namaste. Yo, this is the ancient Texan signing off. An Earthling. That believes we are all part of a worldwide web. We are all part of us. There are no them's. Namaste.